0: What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDCast, a podcast a resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports formation and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. And we are finally back, and I'm super happy to be back because last week was absolutely rough. I felt really, really kind of bad about not having an episode out for you guys last week, but uh things just happen that way and I'm really happy and really grateful for Jay Stancil to post um his uh I guess top podcasts he's listened to through the show. Uh we retweeted that, got a lot of engagement out of it, got a lot of impressions. So um thank you, Jay, very, very much. I know and you said that you listen to these every every Thursday and I, I couldn't be more and more grateful. So um Yeah, we have Brian Ogden. We are officially back. We have a Mississippi State guy. I know we just had a Mississippi State guy two weeks ago, but uh, good thing for Caleb. Got a brand new job. Uh, If you're wondering who that is, go back and listen to episode number – uh what, one twenty six with Caleb. He actually took over the podcast and now he has a brand new job at uh Arkansas State. So he's getting all moved in, all settled in and couldn't be happy for him and one of our huddlers. Um as super happy and grateful. So just say go say thank you to Caleb over on Twitter. Um he's been retweeted several times through the feed, so you'll be able to find him. Um I don't know if his handle has changed since his move to Arkansas State. I know it was like Caleb Gardner MSU. Um obviously can't keep the MSC part right. So, I uh, don't know if it's changed off the top of my head, but just go seek him out, go say thank you for the work that he has done, and go wish him the best of luck at his new job at uh, with the Red Wolves. So, uh, we do have Ron Ogden, as I have mentioned already. So, I'm a big track guy, and if you guys know me, um, I'm a former track and field student athlete, uh, still pay attention to this sport a lot so brian actually reached out to me just after he had gotten back from nationals um in austin texas and just before cosider convention um to possibly come on the show and and talk a little bit about how they have branded a specific unit um with the bulldogs track and field that'd be javelin i almost said javelina javelina That's suck to say in kingsville but uh I thought – I was really, really intrigued that they sort of took on this narrative and had really, really big success, I, I would say, um, with this JavU hashtag and this JavU ownership of this this brand. Um, so we talked about that, how it can apply to you if you're at a smaller level, um, how to identify these specific units uh to where you might be able to market it or, or promote it differently than some of your other teams. Um, but do it in the same, like kind of, I will say safe manner. You know what I mean? Uh, not kind of go too overboard or just finding a branding opportunity for the sake of having one. You know what I mean? So, um, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about, uh, he's got a really, really interesting story about his, uh, newspaper in, uh, it's really, really different uh, than my newspaper experience. I'm sure that some of your uh, high school newspaper experiences. So Brian will go through all about that and how he got to talk to the uh, Rangers when he was in high school and was able to facilitate all that, which is insane to me. So um, a little update on what's going on. Uh, I am officially moved into my Bloomington job, my Bloomington spot, um, waiting to... Really kind of get some responsibility here. And now I have to wait for the systems to process and everything with the administration side. Went to the administration side of Memorial Stadium, guys. And holy crap. That is beautiful. I would walk in there every day and they'd be like, what are you doing in here? I'm like, nothing. I'm just going to look around for like this 80th time. So, uh... Absolutely insane! I love it here. It, it's it's really great. I've lived in three parts of this state. I've lived in Fort Wayne. I lived in Madison, which is in the southeast corner of Indiana. I've lived in Evansville, and up until this point, I think Evansville is my favorite because it was like bigger. And I still had some access to stuff. Um, still felt like it was Southern Indiana because it was. And north and uh, Northern Indiana, Fort Wayne, it didn't even feel like like home at all. So came here, um, really really close to where the offices. is so I walk to work every day um which is really really nice except today I actually drove because it was like 95 degrees or something like that and I was like there's no way and I had other stuff to do so um let's see what else so, yeah, that's basically what we're waiting on at this current point in time. Again, I want to apologize for being absent last week. I was moving. I uh, went on a little mini vacation. That's what I wanted to talk about in uh, Michigan and St. Joseph area. I uh, got really sunburned, so um, kind of have to work through that a little bit. I guess that's that's one of the one of the errors of not going outside a whole lot, even though I run with my. I run with my shirt off, so I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why I got so burnt. But, um, yeah, we're officially back. We're officially good to go. So we got Brian this week, Katie Mucci last week. Fun fact, I accidentally recorded Katie's intro (laughs) instead of Brian's intro. So I had to go back and do this. Um, But, again, super happy to be back, super happy to be on super happy to talk to you all yet again and resume some interviews i got a whole lineup of people for the next month guys and i think it's really going to knock it out of the park uh just really excited all in all so where we will start off number episode number 126 of sID cast with uh brian ogden of the mississippi state bulldogs His very first connection right here on the
1: Uh, so coming out of high school, I really thought I wanted to be like an ESPN magazine writer doing feature stories. Um, and so I, I'd done some things in high school with some of our teams, um, and just from working in kind of high school journalism classes, I knew there was at least a sports information office. So I was on Alabama's website, found an email for, um, the person who was doing baseball at the time, um never actually met this person cause they had actually left the office before I emailed them. Um, but it was like that week was their last week. And so they were still taking them down, but I sent an email and just said basically, Hey, I'm going to be a new student. Um, I want to do some sort of like feature writing. Don't know if there's a game program or something for baseball. I, I liked baseball. That's what I played in high school. So that was what I was kind of focused on. Um, that email got forwarded along to Jess Perre over there at Alabama. Um, and she emailed me back and basically said, "We don't have anything like that, but we have students in our office. Um, can't guarantee that you'll do baseball. Like you're gonna have to work every sport, um, and it's gonna be more than just writing stuff. But here's our application. Fill it out." I said, "Okay." Filled it out, um, and then, you know, basically walked into a job my first day of classes there at Alabama, and did that for four years and decided that this really by the end of year one had decided like this is what I wanted to do.
0: How did that make you feel when she told you that you basically weren't going to get the sport or the assignment that you wanted in the beginning? Because it seems like a lot of people nowadays when when they're told that they would have just not come in or given up.
1: So I actually funny thing is I did end up getting baseball, but I only had baseball for maybe two and a half months and then once we got into basketball season we were maybe a a week into basketball season and we had a student leave and I got called over to basketball and so I worked under Aaron Jordan on men's basketball for gosh three and a half years Um, so I really never did that much with baseball but at the time I had told her like I'm fine with every sport the one thing ironically that I didn't really want to do and I still haven't really had a desire to do is football it just I would rather be able to sit back and enjoy the game and not always have to work it. Um, but you know, she's like, you're going to work football games. You'll work everything. You'll learn everything. And I said, it's a job and it's a start and we'll figure out where we go from there. Um, you know, the, the chance to do baseball was what was interesting. And now I think I probably wouldn't want to do baseball because it would maybe take away from my enjoyment of the game. I'm really happy with where, where I'm at and the sports that I do work. So
0: yeah, I think I'm kind of the same way. Uh, whenever I watch baseball or softball, I can't do I can't not do code in my head. You know, what yeah. I mean? Like I will be laying there on my couch and I'll just like, say six three or something like that, and my girlfriend Morgan should look at me and go, "What?" And I'm like, "Nothing." Well, and <laughs> yeah. from my
1: end, I'm like, "Do I? I like being able to come home right now in the summer and just every day go home and just turn on the Rangers game and know, okay, I can watch a baseball game." and it's fine and i feel like Mm -hmm. if i every day was in the office working a baseball game every single day it would make me not like baseball as much and right now i'm in a great place where i just i come home i know it's going to be on games are almost always right at seven o'clock turn that on while i'm doing whatever i'm doing in the house that night and we're great so
0: you mentioned that when you were in high school you did some journalism stuff um And you knew about an SID. I mean, what did they tell you about it? Was it something that you just researched on your own? I mean, what did you know about it?
1: Yeah, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, My high school didn't have a journalism program, so we kind of started it my sophomore year. Um, And then just through kind of looking for story ideas and things, I actually basically walked into an opportunity to interview some of the Texas Rangers players for a story um, and tie it back to our school in a way. And so, you know, you start trying to figure out how how do you get a hold of these players and um, you realize, like, okay, you have to go through this media relations contact. And so once I was aware, okay, there are media relations contacts at the pro level, you start figuring out, well, there are also media relations contacts at the college level. Um, I did a workshop at Oklahoma my junior year. And the first college sporting event I covered was the 2013 World Series, Women's College World oh. Series, uh, that Oklahoma won. So we were covering from Oklahoma's journalism program and covering Oklahoma winning the World Series. Uh, and so, you know, you, you're spending that week kind of working with SIDs and you figure out, okay, this is a job that exists. Uh, I can look in these media guides and find information I need and, so that was kind of how I got into knowing that it was even a thing that I could do.
0: It's quite a feat, I would say, at, at kind of the back of my head. I'm thinking, what the hell kind of high school did you go to? Because <laughs> with my journalism, because I was in journalism for two years in high school, and I never got near any of that stuff. Um, what was it kind of like for you and maybe some other people that you started this thing with to be able to, one in high school interview Texas Rangers players and two cover the women's college world series.
1: Yeah. So it was really interesting the first year and I go back and I look at some of like the newspapers Mm -hmm. we put out the first year and I'm like, these are awful. Like you open it up and one whole page is like a puzzles page. And we're looking, we're talking like an eight and a half Mm -hmm. by uh, or four, eight and a half by 11 pages. Like, And one whole page is nothing but puzzles. And you're like, yeah, this is not great. Um, But my mom worked in an advertising agency, and we were able – they do a bunch of uh, foundation work and donating time and resources and things. And so they were willing to donate the printing, which took out a massive chunk of resistance I could have had from the administration because there was going to be no overhead for them that first year. It wasn't a class. It was basically like a student club um, we used our study hall period to do it. Basically, they just were able to work it out where a bunch of us were in the same study hall period. And so that was how we kind of started as a class. Um, and you, you go from there and, uh, like I said, I mean, did some interviews kind of got foot in the door and then, uh, it was a small private Christian school. And so, um, we'd had some people like come and talk at chapels and things um, that had ties to the Rangers and finally just decided like we'd reach out and see if we could do anything on um, stuff like that and like faith in sports. And so talked to David Murphy, who's really outspoken about it and Robbie Ross and Craig Gentry. Those are the three that I interviewed. And Mm -hmm. then the Oklahoma stuff was, there was a, It's called the Dow Jones Journalism Institute. Basically it's funded by the Dow Jones fund. um, And they, they have them at a bunch of campuses across the country. Um, You apply for it. There's technically a rule that says like, once you've done one, you're not allowed to do another. And like on the application, there's a box Uh that says, um, have you done one of these before? Well, I was applying for three in one year and cause I did all of them at once. So for all the applications I put, no, I haven't, I haven't done one of these. And all of a sudden I got accepted into three of them. So I had a really busy summer, my junior year uh, between Missouri, Oklahoma and TCU. And when I walked in at Oklahoma, they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, um, because the women's college world series is here this week, we've just already gone ahead and arranged to get two press passes. We don't know who we're going to send, but two of y'all are going to go do that. And I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm one of the two that goes and does that. It's like, I'm going to find a way because it, it was one of those like once a year kind of news magazine style. So they didn't want anything breaking news or game coverage. They're like you got to find a way that you're going to do this differently. So I had to come up with a different story idea and pitch that like my idea for a story out of the world series was going to be better than anybody else's so that I'd be the one that got to go. I got to go. And then I found out a few, I guess a few weeks into being here. Fun fact is our associate head coach for softball here, her sister was on that Oklahoma team. It was the first college athlete I interviewed.
0: <laughs> so wow, yeah. small world. Uh huh. Exactly. Um. So that tenacity, you, you kind of have to carry it over to Alabama a little bit. Like you mentioned, you reached out. You basically had a job the first day of class. And we've spoken to a few people, I'm maybe three or four people at the top of my head that um have done something like that. Uh, so how did that mentality or that mindset kind of propel you th- through Alabama, working through their student office? Um, how did your roles change throughout your undergrad years?
1: Yeah, um, my undergrad time was shortened by a lot um, between bringing in some class credits and things. I actually got finished undergrad in two and a half years. Um and the, really the only reason I did it was if I finished in a certain amount of time, I could roll scholarship, academic money into grad school and oh, go yeah. ahead and do grad school too. Um, so I I went and like I said, was supposedly baseball for about three, four months of the fall and very early into basketball season, got called in and told, hey, so-and-so's leaving, um, I need a men's basketball student, you're going to be it. And I was like, okay, um, so we're clear. I know nothing about basketball. I don't even know what is, like, what is good shooting percentage. I, you say double-double, I don't know what that means. Um, the first day, first basketball game I worked, before I was actually the basketball student, I was just helping. I got assigned the shot chart, and you get the box yeah. scores back you know, at, at all the media timeouts, and I would use it to make sure that I hadn't missed any shots. Well, to give you an idea how much I didn't know basketball, I didn't realize that three-point field goals were included in the total field goals so somebody would be like two for three from the field one for one from three in my head that meant they had four shots and so i'm adding all uh-huh. these random shots on the shot chart thinking i've missed all these threes and or other you know just shots that i'm missing and it was about halftime that just came over and was like those are included you you don't need to be doing them. And so my shot chart was all sorts of messed up that first game but learned basketball pretty quickly um like I said, I worked with Aaron for three years. Um, the second and third year, he took me to SEC tournaments with him, which was huge learning experience. Um, and then that last half year at Alabama, I worked on soccer because we knew I was only going to be there for the fall semester. So there was no mm-hmm. point to do half of a basketball season and then hand it off because um, we knew I would be finishing grad school and looking for a full-time job. So that was kind of my progression through their office and then – Um, in the summer, they would kind of help me set up internships and things. Um, my first summer, I just interned at my mom's office, the the same place that helped us with the printing and things in high school, just because I needed a, a paid job. I needed to make some money. Um, and then my second summer I interned at TCU. Um, and that was huge, like to get out of the office and see another office and how they did things, um, work on some other sports and things and start actually, building connections in the industry um that was my first cosida too because that year it was in dallas i live in the dallas area so it was real easy didn't have to do a oh, hotel nice. didn't have to travel yeah. literally just paid for the convention and drove down there every day yeah um so that was a big summer in terms of like figuring out for sure like yes i want to do this this is where i'm going to go career wise um and then that same summer talked to aaron and he was a little hesitant at first to let me do it but it ended up working out um I started working as the club hockey team's SID in my free time um, so that I could have experience being, you know, in charge of the whole sport. Um, It started out with, hey guys, I'll make you a media guide so that I can say I've made a media guide from scratch. Um, And it turned into, I was just going to be their SID for that year and the next year. Um, And so that was kind of my way of working through it. And when it came time to look for jobs, Mississippi state was open at the right time and, I thought I was pretty prepared from what I had from Al- Alabama, and apparently they thought so too. So we walked into a job here straight out of school.
0: Awesome. Um, during that time where you weren't quite sure how basketball worked, uh, I am sure that there are several students through here. And by the by the way, I'm, I'm probably going to mention something. Thank you all for the follows and everything. I know a lot of you are undergrad students, so that you might take what uh, Brian is saying here and really apply it to yourself. Um you don't know a sport and what might be the best way to kind of put yourself in a situation to learn this new sport, kind of like what you had to do with basketball.
1: Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of uh, the idea that it's much easier to learn a new sport than to learn how to do the job. Um, so even when we work with our students here, I, I try to get them to do a little bit of everything just so that they kind of know um you know, this is how you write a release. This is how you keep stats on the, this or that. Um, this is how you set up interviews and things. I try to. I really think it's it's more important to know how to do the job than know how to do the sport. Um, and then when it comes to time to learn a new sport, I don't know that there's a good way to do it other than to just jump in. I mean, somebody can explain it to you a little bit, and it probably would have been good to make sure that I knew field goals and three point field goals are, you know, included, um, before I start, uh, you know, charting the shots and all that. But, um, yeah, it really is. I think game day is the best way to learn. Um, because you're not going to know what you don't know exactly. until you get there. That that goes both ways. Like you, you don't know the things that you don't know, but you also can't be expected to know things you don't already know. Um, and so you, you have to get in there and, and just start failing. I mean, that's the best way to, to figure it out is to get in there and mess it up occasionally. And, you know, you don't you don't set up to fail on an NCAA tournament game. You get in there for the exhibition game or um, one of those early non-conference games that's not as crowded and there's not as much going on, as many demands. Um, but you just got to get in there and be ready to fail. I mean, I'm going to probably – I'll be honest, We you know, we're starting the, the new live stats thing for soccer – I'm going to stat that game for our exhibition and I'm probably going to fail. There are probably going to be some numbers that are not right, but it's an exhibition game and it doesn't matter. Coaches don't really care until you get into that real game. So I'll stat it. We'll yeah. see what happens and we'll, we'll learn and go forward. Um, that's the same way. When I um, started learning stat crew, I, I asked the people at Alabama if I could take one of the stat computers home. And I sat down and watched an MLB game and stat of it. Um, Cause there was no pressure You screw it up, well, you can back it up or you can pull up, you know, the MLB app on your phone and see what they actually scored things. Um, Same deal for soccer. I watched a Women's World Cup game and scored it. I don't know who took that shot. Well, I can go look at the FIFA app and, okay, they gave it to so-and-so and and catch myself back up. And so, um, yeah, I I did a lot of things like that of, okay, I'm just going to sit here at a football game. I'm going to take one football game I wasn't supposed to work I'm going to sit in the press box with a stat computer, and I'm going to try to learn how to stat football. And just kind of got into it and played with it and eventually learned it that way.
0: That's what we did um, when I was an intern at Division three college here in Indiana called Hanover. Uh, I've been familiar with lacrosse. Uh, since like yeah. junior senior year of high school. And I went to a small private NAI school uh, before that. So, um, and they had lacrosse and I had watched it. I had done play-by-play for it. I never statted it before. So when Tyler and I got to Hanover, uh, we pulled up a live stream from last year. Yeah. and We statted it that way. And that's how we basically learned. Um, another thing when I did play-by-play at USI uh, during my undergrad, um, I, this might come as a shock to you, not a big baseball guy so i i like softball more than i like baseball but anyway uh baseball um i was terrible calling play by play i was absolutely dreadful my mind does not work that slowly i will i'm i will chew my own horn i'm good at basketball play by play I can do it. It's fast paced, but by God, when you put me in a press box and there is one pitch every three minutes, uh, like I, <laughs> I, I am going to fail. Yeah. So, so my boss was like, this is what, after he figured out that I had no idea what I was doing and I already told him that I had no idea what I was doing, but after he figured it out for himself, um, he, and come to think of it, this was probably insulted at the time. He was like, you need to find a baseball for dummies book and read that. And I know that that's kind of like just a real cheap way of doing it, but honestly, it actually helped a little bit. Yeah. It, just to learn kind of basic terminology and basic statistics um, until I was able to actually put myself in front of a stat computer uh, maybe the next two years later, I think, or a year later. Um, that's when I was actually able to find in sports. So.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah. also, like, going to practices and things makes an incredible difference. I mean, I thought I knew soccer pretty well after doing it that year at Alabama and then I I didn't realize how much more there was to know of soccer and being able to see like what was about to happen and anticipate the plays which makes it so much easier to stat it and score it until I started traveling with soccer and now you're at you know a morning practice the morning before the game because you're just traveling with the team and going everywhere they are and so you sit there for an hour and you see walkthroughs and okay this is what we're trying to do and you start to realize you know that next level of the game the same thing happened with hockey i'd grown up being a hockey fan and i get out there with the hockey team and start watching practices and things and i'm like okay now i understand how our power play is supposed to actually work from a yeah. strategic level instead of just oh we have one extra person then it should be easy to score um and so, yeah, just being at practices, talking to coaches, that helped immensely with track. I mean, I think everybody has probably at some point in their life run something like track either in middle school or high school or even when they're, you know, a first or second grader like M P E class and they just run a race. Like it sounds so simple, run and be the first one there. Um, but you start talking to coaches and you figure out, okay, these are the times that are actually considered good, Um, you know, this, we're going we're gonna to load heavy and train heavy here, and then we're going to deload to try to pop off better times in competition. And, and the inner workings and the technical aspects mm-hmm. of it, um, you start to understand the sport a lot more. And coaches, they want you to understand their sport if you're going to be talking about it. So um, I think that was extremely helpful too. Just I've got a great, great distance coach here who basically has the media guide memorized, like the record book. He you can tell him a time and he can probably tell you who ran it and where and when it's scary. But I mean, he helped me repair our record book when I first got here and it was a mess. Um, And he, he took a lot of time. Coach Franks took a lot of time to teach me what I didn't know and what I didn't know that I didn't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you from uh, being an athlete in college in track, uh, there were some stuff that I didn't know. Because when I was, yeah, when I was in high school, I was a distance guy and I was a 10K specialist in college. When I was a distance guy, I just ran like, what was it? I don't even, my parents probably took like four by eight mile, yeah. two mile and 800 damn near every single meet. And sometimes I might even lo- unload to four by eight and just a two mile, which is the first yeah. event and the second to last event. But And then when I got to college, uh, we were doing indoor and stuff and we were getting kind of I didn't race a whole lot, but um, when just when people were getting their event assignments, basically they're doing five k, three k, five k, three k, five k, three k, and I was like, dude, in high school I would be running both of those, but now there's like a strategic yeah. thing. So I, it, it might be absolutely get yourself in a coach's office, get yourself to practice because that not only does one of the, not only helps you understand the sport, but it also gets you to know the student athletes yeah. a lot better, especially at a, at a younger person who might be listening to this, whether you be a student or a GA first getting to know um, these sports and these coaches, um, that's probably one of the best ways to do it. Um, You mentioned getting to Mississippi state. You mentioned getting to track. You messaged me. I don't know when you messaged me. It was before. I I think it was right. I think it was
1: right around the time that we were finishing up at nationals.
0: Okay. So um, you messaged me with something that you guys in Mississippi state had done to kind of take you know how there's like I am asking everybody out there. You know how there's like DBU, like defensive back yeah. university, whether it be uh top of my head, Florida State or Miami or something like that. Or LSU that.
1: or whoever is deciding to use it that year.
0: Yeah, I, for some reason I'm thinking of West Virginia, but um I guess that's wide receiver you. It's but definitely you moved
1: have, around, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but you guys have JAVU. Where did that come about? What exactly does that mean for those who don't understand the sport?
1: So javu is basically short for javelin. You, um, our we've been blessed with an incredibly uh, talented group for the past going back probably four or five years, um, but it really all kind of came together last year. Um, we had three guys on the roster who, by the end of the year, had all thrown over eighty meters, which I don't have the converter right in front of me, but to, to give you an idea, I mean, that's about 265 feet somewhere in there. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't have the conversions off the top of my head. I know, I know what the, uh, 86 is that's in the two seventies, but, um, yeah, so they, they'd all thrown over 80. Um, at the time when we first started looking at it, they'd all thrown over 78 Mm -hmm. and, um, we knew that that was obviously really good. Like we're leading the nation. We're one, two in the nation. Um, one of those three was redshirting the year. Um, and my coach just asked me something like, you think anybody else has ever had this good of a group? Uh, I was like, I don't know, but we can try to find out. um, So through a lot of work with the coaches association and the national office um, and going back and looking at like all time college record books. And then actually we literally went through and found every school that had qualified somebody to nationals in the javelin since they changed the implement, which they changed it in the early 90s. Um, So it saved us a lot of years of research. But we said we're only going to look at the the new weight javelin. We don't care about the lighter old one. Um, and so we went through every media guide for every school that had qualified somebody for nationals and found what their school records were. And that helped us build a list of, okay, how many people have ever thrown over 78 meters? And we look at it, we're the only school that has three. There are only about four schools that have two. And to make it even crazier, all three of those are on the same team right now. Like they're all active. and so. We, I don't know, it was probably a little before SECs. We rolled out basically just this big, long series of tweets. Um, We, you know, hooked them all together in a thread. Um, We created the hashtag JavU and just started throwing out all the crazy numbers. Like, okay, first off, this is NCAA history. No one's ever done this before. Second off, you know, they rank first and second in the nation. Um, You know, among active collegians, they have the best PRs. Um, You start looking at uh oh we've now this year by now we've won four of the last five national titles um we've had somebody on the podium in each of the last five years so even if we haven't won it we've been on the podium um and we just we started out with that big blast of okay we're going to brand ourselves javu and it's became a thing anytime i mentioned any of our javelin throwers men or women um, the women didn't quite have as much to back it up, but we figured we we're going to include them too. But anytime, yeah, anytime we had a javelin thrower compete, we tweeted about them, we tweeted their results, we even just tweeted like a picture of them, hashtag jab you on it all the time. Um, and then when you win a national championship in the javelin, you go, we went 1 2 last year, and that was the first time in over a decade that a school had gone 1 2 in the javelin, so we blew that out of the water. And then they turn around and they all go off to their, you know, home country national championships, and they all win their home nation national championships. So even though we only had one national champion, we had four national champions. We had one NCAA, and then we had Grenada, USA, and Spain national champion too. Um, so we changed the header to those guys and uh, just kept pushing it through the offseason. And then we got to have two of them come back and brought in a new freshman that was supposed to be really good. And so over the off season, it was push it again. Um, you know, these guys are coming back um, and just hashtag Javu all the time, all the time. Um, ended up this year, Anderson, Curtis, and Tyreek swept the javelin podium for the first time since 1964, second time ever. Um, and so we just blew it out of the water again and they swept the sec podium too so um it was like every time our javelin program would have success we had a chance to just keep saying Jav you jab you and it was really it, it's it part of it makes me proud of what i've done but part of it also tells me that i need to do a better job in other areas whenever we talk about jav our media will cover it you know our ad retweets it um when we talk about javelin even some of the national media jump on it Mm -hmm. but then at the same time i i can't get my local media to care about my other athletes and so that's frustrating sometimes In that i've branded these three guys so well and so they're actually like their names are recognized anytime i talk about them our media talks about them but i'm also sitting over here like i have four other all americans this year and i can't get coverage on them and that can be frustrating sometimes
0: Guys, just real quick before we get back to today's episode, I want to tell you about our new show sponsor, Presto Sports. Presto Sports and New Blue recently announced a strategic partnership to launch an innovative new sports streaming solution. With a shared vision to support the video demands of college and university SIDs, Presto Sports and New Blue are making it possible for one person to run a full-scale sports production. You can learn more, guys, at prestosportscom slash SIDcast. Now let's get back to today's conversation. Yeah. So um, track, obviously, an Olympic sport. I mentioned earlier a little bit about football. When people brand a unit or brand a line on football, um, so how obviously you mentioned the media coverage a little bit, but how has it benefited uh, to kind of brand a group of people on an Olympic sport team, a non-revenue team that doesn't exactly get a whole lot of coverage? I mean, what has the reception been like outside of the media standpoint?
1: Yeah, I think it. I think it helped make those. Three in particular, um, more relatable for our fans, more recognizable for our fans. Um, you know, our our fans really embraced the JavU hashtag and started using it themselves. Um, and again, like I said, sometimes it makes me feel bad that we're posting about Javelin too much and there's such a small part of our roster and there are so many other kids who we need to tell their stories. But at the same time, if I, I mean, you can look at our analytics. If I put hashtag JavU on something, it's going to go probably three or four times higher than anything else that I post. It just does. Um, our fans care about javelin. You know, they they might not even realize that we have potential Olympians in other sports. They just, they know if there's javelin, we're good at that. Mississippi state's a javelin school and, and they run with it. Uh, so it, I think at the same time, it's helped elevate in a way the rest of our program, because I can get people to actually tune in and watch our javelin throwers. And so my story is usually, hey, Anderson Peters is throwing this week. And while you're paying attention to Anderson, here are some other names that you should look at because they're going to yeah, be wearing Mississippi in State yeah. uniforms. Yeah. Um, so I, I usually lead with Javelin because that's where I know I'm going to get a hook and then I can I can sell the rest of them off of that. Um, but you know, you, you get you've gotta push what you're strong at, and we that's where we're strong. That's where we're making history, that's where I can get national coverage and at least get Mississippi track Mississippi State track talked about in front of other people. Um, you know, get them on ESPN yeah, interviews. Yeah.
0: So say somebody at like an NAI or a D three or maybe even D two level, um, say that they have a strong something that they identify as a strong unit, whether it be tennis with Georgia Gwinnett or whether it be uh, cross country at Western university of Colorado. I mean, how would you go about kind of first identifying these groups and second branding um, from scratch, like what you did with an Olympic sport like that?
1: I think the most important thing is you have to be able to back it up. Uh, you have to have the numbers and what you need to back it up both like you said, to to figure out that this is where you're really good at. Like you might have a thought. Like we thought we're probably pretty good in the javelin. We didn't realize how historically good we were in the javelin until we really started focusing on it. Um, and then once we really started focusing on it, because we had done all that research to figure it out, we had all these numbers where if somebody else, not we haven't really had any blowback, but like let's say somebody comes in and is like, "Well, who are you to say you're javu? You. We're we're, we're javu. We've got plenty of." You know, national champions. I'm sure there's somebody out there, another program out there that could walk in and say, "We've got more national championship medals in javelin than you do." I'm sure that's the case. Uh, but right now, there's nobody that's doing it as well as we are. And also, I can go back and say that may be, but you won all your medals with marks that are way below what our guys are doing. Like I, I can back it up because our guys have done something that no one else has done. Um, And I think that that's really important is to be able to, once you identify it, be able to back it up because then it can become an authentic brand of its own. It's got something, it's got legs to stand on. Otherwise, you're just throwing something out there. And sort of like, you know, you can have a tough schedule and you could say like, we're playing the toughest schedule. We're playing a harder schedule than all these other schools that are ranked above us. And that might be true. But what really gives it legs to stand on is if you like go look at the RPI rankings or the NCAA's schedule rankings, and all of a sudden you have the number one toughest schedule in the country, well, you blow that out. Um, I think it's really important to be able to have something there that you can back that up with.
0: How has this benefited the student-athletes? <laughs>
1: For Tyreek and Curtis, it's benefited them a ton. Um, Anderson kind of already had a pretty good following, um, coming from Grenada and having already competed in some international things. Um, he already really had kind of the country behind him. So, like, his follower counts and things were already pretty high. Um, it's definitely helped people recognize who Anderson is, um, here locally. And it's probably definitely helped I don't want to say that I've helped because I know a lot of it is the performance that he's put on the track, but I'm sure it's helped in some way with some of his National Athlete of the Week nominations, his uh, SEC Athlete of the Week nominations, and some of the other awards, the Bowerman stuff um, that he's gotten. But you look at Curtis and Tyreek and it it's increased their following like crazy. I mean, the other thing that's been really helpful for me is I have three guys and then our one girl javelin thrower, um, that we also kind of include in there that are, they have great personalities and they are willing to engage. And so they reply back and forth with the account. They'll do takeovers with our account. Um, when, when Anderson and Nico, who's the one that graduated last year, were at Nationals and Curtis was redshirting, so he wasn't competing. He was doing, he did a takeover of our, of our account and was tweeting and answering questions from people about what his javelin teammates were probably doing to prepare. And, like, that was just really cool to me, to see people asking him stuff like, well, what do you think, like, where do you expect them to finish? What do you think they're going to be throwing? Like, what sort of range? What have they done this week to prepare? And, you know, he can answer those questions because he has been sitting at practice with them watching them throw. And so uh, that was really cool. And then just you, you watch Curtis's engagement trend upwards and things and his followers have grown. um, And he's actually, they, they went on and created their own Instagram that was Mississippi State jab you. And it's just an inside look at that one event group and what they're doing at practice. And you see their personalities. They're sitting there joking around and, you know, making fun of each other. And then every once in a while, they'll show like their best throws and things. Um, Anderson started getting questions from, high school and youth athletes who want to be jab throwers or who are high school jab throwers, asking him like questions about technique and, and what he needs to do to fix this or that. Um, and I think it's really kind of helped put some credibility behind them outside of just their accomplishments. It's It's raised that awareness of these are the best javelin throwers in the country and they know what they're talking about. And it's gotten them more interaction and engagement because of it.
0: So, I like the takeover idea and I love the fact that they're using kind of their personalities and everything they made. They took the initiative to make their own account even, and, and they're helping people. Um, how did you kind of grow to trust them a little bit with some of that responsibility?
1: Yeah. Um, Curtis was a senior red shirting last year and this year, a red shirt senior. He'd been around the program for a while um, so when I got here, and he had already been a national champion in 2016 before I got here. Um, so I knew he'd been around the block. He, he'd had his time in the media. He knew what he was doing um, academically off the charts. He's an incredibly smart kid. Um, and just after talking with him, I mean, I, I, I trust Curtis mm-hmm. at a very high level. Um, and because he's kind of the senior leader, the rest of that group – kind of follows his lead. So I knew between Curtis and April Thomas, our assistant coach who um, always wants things to be positive and and done the right way between those two, I knew that I had kind of trusted leadership of the rest of that group. Um, And then Anderson's been on an international stage. So he's a little more comfortable with, you know, having people reaching out to him and asking him questions. And he kind of knows that, um, What was interesting was when Tyreek comes in now as a freshman um, and he's already immediately got a spotlight on him um, to a degree, we tried to avoid talking about things a lot because we didn't want to put more pressure on Tyreek. But at the same time, you know, um, we made it clear with everybody at the beginning of the year. And uh, I do it again before we actually roll into the season in January, but we sit down at a team meeting and I go over like, okay, here are the rules. Um, know that I'm watching your social medias. like, let's keep it clean. Um, you know, if somebody asks you for this or that, it's got to go through me first. Um, and Tyreek is one who came in and just kept asking questions. And I like that because there are a lot of times I'm like, Tyreek, you don't have to ask me that. You're fine. Go on. Um, but, you know, right after he wins or he got third at Nationals, we're sitting in the hotel and he's like, hey, so-and-so back home, he's from Trinidad um, wanted me to talk about their Spanish class and like the Spanish camp and how it's good for kids to like know both languages. And I was like, okay, well, is this a camp that kids have to pay for to go to? And he's like, yeah, I think so. I said, let's not do that. Cause that could be an endorsement and we don't want to get into all of that. Um, and so, you know, I, I can trust him because I know he's going to come ask me the questions and he knows that he can come ask me the questions. And I try to be really available to that group, um, because they are getting so many things. I mean, they get just as many requests as I do with, um, can you come do this? Can you come do that? Curtis has asked me similar questions and I'm like, yeah, that's getting kind of sketchy towards endorsement. Let's not, you know, put ourselves in that situation. Um, and I've never gotten any pushback from them. They, they're like, okay, that's what you said. Okay. We're good. We'll move on. Um, and I think part of it is I just, I spend time with them. And so they trust me too. And we have a pretty good relationship where they, they know they can come to me with things.
0: I'd like to switch gears here as we're kind of pushing up against time. To um, so some fun questions I usually like to ask people. And we had a great conversation and I love talking track, but I want to really know um, your favorite memory in your professional tenure. Uh,
1: probably I, I'll give you one from each uh, sport when soccer made the NCAA tournament for the first time, just being in the room for that, for that watch party, that was pretty cool. Um, And then I would say my next one was my first national championships last year, Um, standing in pouring rain. I got one of my athletes to take a picture of it actually, as we were doing it, but all the kids were going over to the backdrop to take photos saying, you know, they were at the NCAA championships and I'm standing there holding about five people's bags and two or three trophies. Uh-huh. Just you know, like this is what I'm doing. Like this is this is the part of being an SID that nobody ever thinks about is I'm the bag holder while you're in your interviews or getting photos taken because I'm just here to serve you and do what you guys need and make your lives easier. So I'm sitting there with my backpack on and about four other backpacks on my arms and trophies in each hand, and one of our other student-athletes was sitting there and was looking at me and just laughing. I was like, well, if you're going to laugh, at least take a picture of it. And that's one of my favorite pictures that I have. It's just me standing in the rain in Oregon, holding everybody's stuff.
0: What about uh, on the other side? What's your biggest horror story? Uh, if you have one. Sometimes people do, sometimes people don't.
1: Probably... When the women's NCAA bracket got leaked this year. Yes. Yes, because we had a watch party and things planned, and we had to scramble and figure out are we still doing a watch party in the hump? Um, are we telling fans not to come? What are we going to do with it? And then, you know, they say, like, hey, we're going to announce the bracket in 30 minutes, and you're sprint back to your office, and you're like, okay, marketing and external, y'all all handle that and just tell me what to say later. I got to get over here and write the release that says, were, you know, in the tournament because it's getting announced in 20 minutes. Um, That day was absolutely insane. Um, So that's probably the biggest horror story. And then, like, in-game, we had some issues at our first and second rounds with women's basketball with our scoreboard where um, all the numbers got flipped, basically. Somebody had punched the wrong thing one time, and they noticed it, like, six points into the game. Um, But at that point... Instead of just clearing the board and putting the numbers back how they should be when there aren't that many, it wouldn't have taken very long. They flipped logos, but in flipping logos, like the hustle boards didn't get changed. So, what was being fed from Stat Crew was still going up, but it was staying on the same sides of the columns, and the wrong logos were over those columns. And so we had to try to eventually go through and get all of that fixed, and in the middle of a game, yeah, that just it was the, yeah. a bit hectic, yeah, you've got coaches yelling at you they're like, those are wrong, and you're like, "I know they're wrong. I'm on the phone with our our scoreboard people, you know, the video board people that aren't just sitting here at the scores table punching buttons, but can actually like move those logos and things around, and we're trying to get them fixed, but you gotta give me a minute, yeah so.
0: that's a People always in the crowd, even at the division two level, because everybody's right in your damn ear. Um, they they will let you know. Yeah, I was I was doing a replay one time, and they were mad that they're like, "Come on, kid, you're taking two. Like it's not even my thing. They're looking at the monitor like
1: it's the referee uh, to it. Yeah. You know, deciding that they don't see what they want to see. That,
0: that kills me because it's not like, and they then they boo when when it doesn't go. Um, when it doesn't go like usi's way you know like it's instant replay they got everything that they need like what what more do you want people are weird i don't like fans i can never be (laughs) um
1: i was lucky in that ours was the other two teams in the regional we weren't playing so i didn't have as much on the fan side but i definitely had coaches in my ear and i had the ncaa rep in my ear and i'm like i'm on the phone doing everything i can (laughs)
0: Everything yeah exactly um what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession?
1: You know the thing that I keep trying to get better at is pitching to our national our national writers I, i've got good relationships with our local people um, and part of it is the sports that i have it's sometimes harder to to get those picked up um, by like the big national outlets, but even like a track and field news or, um, you know, like a Team USA, like trying to pitch those, that's, I think there's an art to it and how you go about it. And there are times that I've kind of almost gotten it and uh, kind of get lucky and, you know, because my athlete has done something so great, they, they get picked up. Um, but there are also times that I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, how did this get picked up? Like, how did that, Yeah, how did that person, I mean, yeah, they're deserving, but how are they on a national outlet? And my people who are doing the same stuff, if not better, aren't. Um, and so sometimes that's something that I, I, I want to get better at. And then um, just doing a better job of teaching our student athletes how to interact with media Um and it's not that they have bad interactions, just I want them to feel more comfortable. I want them to feel like when, before they ever even have an interview that this is no big deal. Um, and part of that is personalities. People are going to be camera shy, but I want to make them as comfortable as they can be and still working on what is the best way to do that.
0: In your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? I
1: would say... Um, sort of a yes mentality, not, not that you have to say yes to doing everything. Um, but that, uh, there's not a job that's too small. I mean, um, it's little things that go unnoticed that help your relationships with coaches and student athletes. Like when we're on soccer trips and we have one manager, so I'm carrying a bag of balls, you know, that the girls see that and they like, okay, you're part of the team. Um, you know, you, you go with track and you start carrying hurdles from the bus out there or stacks of Gatorade. And it's like, okay, you're part of the team. Like if the student athletes are going to help the trainers carry it, you can help the trainers carry it. Um, you know, they have more reason to conserve their energy than you do. If they can help, you can help. Um, and so kind of that, just a hardworking effort and not overlooking little things like that. Um, I think makes a big difference and that's not even you know, before you get into the job, once you get into actually doing the job, it's still an attention to detail, the hard work, the those little things, that extra amount of effort. I mean, we wouldn't have had Jab U if I hadn't decided to put in the effort of, we're going to look at every media guide from every track program and find out what this record should be. Um, and so I think that's what makes a- SID stand out, is that extra little bit of effort that is so easy to not give on certain days, especially when you're late in season and worn out.
0: Uh, work-life balance, what do you do to have fun?
1: Play a lot of Frisbee, actually. Every Saturday morning, uh, I've got a group that that goes and plays Ultimate Frisbee on the uh, rec fields here on the campus. And so, especially when we were in the women's basketball season and I was kind of serving as that interim contact, I, I had to get away. There were days that I'm just like, we leave our bus, our plane, whatever. We leave at 1230. I am playing frisbee until 1130, getting in the shower and getting on that bus. Like, but I have to do something to get myself out. And so, um, frisbee has been huge for me as just something that lets me stay active and hang out with a bunch of friends and not think about anything work related for a while. Um, uh, I've got a dog. So we go on walks, go to the dog park. Um, and then. Uh, our office has a softball team in the city league. And so do things like that in the summer.
0: That's fun. Uh, the next time somebody's in Starkville, uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation?
1: My personal favorite, but you got to make sure they're open. Um, cause there are plenty of days that they're not is two brothers. You get some good barbecue tacos. Um, that's my personal favorite. The other big ones that people will tell you are like the veranda or the grill, but, to me, you, you got to go to two brothers at least once.
0: Gotcha. Um, if anybody had any questions for you, I want to get in touch with you, what'd be the best way to do it?
1: Uh, email's easiest thing. Um, I'm always happy to to help out where I can, especially students, because I'm pretty fresh out of that myself. So I feel like I have a good idea of what students are going through and uh, how what what is necessary to prepare for getting into this. Because I've I've done it and I've also seen the places that I wish I had more preparation. So, um, but yeah, email, it's on the website um, on hailstate.com. It's just B. Ogden, my name, uh, at athletics.msstate.edu.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. If you just click on his name, by the way, it's not his bio, it we'll goes straight to his email. So, uh,
1: yeah, we don't, we don't have bios yet. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> that's, that's an easy way to do it. Well, Brian, uh, very much appreciate you coming on. Thanks, thanks again so much.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.